My name's Greg Knapp, and this is the Greg Knapp Experience, your 20-minute thrill ride through your commute to or from work or your workout. Biden says Afghanistan is a success and then takes responsibility for it by blaming Trump, Americans, and the Afghan army for success. I'm a little confused. So see, uh, did Biden make an impeachable phone call? We'll get you that. Wait till you hear what one teacher is telling your kids about Antifa, Marxism, and America, and one university throws a segregated barbecue. Oh, that's great. It's all coming up on the Greg Knapp Experience. Let's go. So I wish I was wrong, but I've been telling you for days on the show that Biden's plan is to spin what happened in Afghanistan as a success. Because listen, it was either get out with chaos because that's the only way you can ever get out of war or just stay forever. I mean, I got shot of a 20-year war. I was the only American president with the courage to do it. That's the plan, and that's what he did in his big speech. He's just lying to you. Who are you going to believe, me or your own eyes? So look, it, it, it was, that wasn't the choice. It was a chaotic, horrific, murderous exit, and it could have been so much better. And we all know this, right? So now Biden has to lie to you. He has to call it a success, saying it was the only way it could have ended. And you're welcome, America. And all of that, while he's saying, you know, the bad parts, though, that was all the blame of President Trump and Americans and the Afghan army. And, you know, they just didn't get to the airport fast enough. He thinks you're stupid. He thinks you have a really short-term memory. And I wonder if he's right. Because I've been saying we're over a year away from the next election. So maybe he's right. Did you see the photos that came out yesterday? Reuters had a bunch of these photos coming out yesterday where the Taliban was having a mock funeral through the streets and they had coffins draped in American flags and the flags of the other NATO countries and they were declaring victory. Taliban spokesman. Live stream video. The Taliban is live streaming? Oh yeah, man. They're on Twitter. They're on Reddit. They're on Foursquare. They're on Turtle. They're on Dovelet. I'm just making these things up now. A Dovelet? That sounds kind of cool. What's a Dovelet? I don't know. Uh, yeah, on this live stream, the world should have learned its lesson, and this is the enjoyable moment of victory. And then Al Jazeera, which, you know, is about as credible as CNN, said Americans could not achieve their goal through military operations. Actually, they were right about that. The Biden administration. Here's what Biden said. The previous administration's agreement, Trump, said that if we stuck to the May 1st deadline that they had signed on to leave by, the Taliban wouldn't attack any American forces. Well, it actually said that the Taliban wouldn't affect any U.S. security or allied forces. And guess what? It worked for over a year. But if we stayed, all bets were off. So we were left with a simple decision. Either follow through on the commitment made by the last administration and leave Afghanistan or say we weren't leaving and commit another tens of thousands more troops going back to war. That was the choice. The real choice between leaving or escalating. No, that's not true. That's not true. 2,500 forces, Bagram Air Base, air support, and it was working. Now, I wanted us to get out, no doubt about it, but that's not the, that's a false choice. You could have gotten out by getting everybody else out first before you pull out the military, and everybody knows that. So he's putting forward a false choice. By the way, this is the only agreement that Trump had that Biden couldn't break, and the agreement that Trump had said if the, if the Taliban reneged on their part of the agreement, then all bets were off. And guess what? They did. They did. They were taking over... Uh, territory in Afghanistan through July, as we found out from the New York Times, from intelligence leaks to the New York Times, he chose to withdraw in the worst possible way. So people were killed. 
Many have been left stranded behind. Yeah, I know Jen Psaki thinks the word stranded is irresponsible, but evidently leaving people stranded is not irresponsible. But there's more from, from what Biden said, right? Uh... After we started the evacuation 17 days ago, we did initial outreach and analysis and identified around 5,000 Americans who had decided earlier to stay but now wanted to leave. We believe about 100 to 200 Americans remain in Afghanistan with some intention to leave. Most of those are dual citizens. They decided to stay because of their family roots earlier. You know, a bottom line, 90% of Americans in Afghanistan who wanted to leave were able to leave. And for those remaining Americans, there's no deadline. We remain committed to get them out if they want to come out. So we're blaming that? Okay, wait a second. The, the people in our embassy were scrambling around shredding documents before they fled, and you're telling me, oh, these guys had plenty of time. They knew what was coming. They should have come to the airport sooner. Meanwhile, the president said the United Nations Security Council has passed a resolution that sent a clear message about the international community's expectations for the Taliban to deliver on moving forward, notably freedom of travel and freedom to leave. See, the UN is there. <laughs> hey, they're good at hashtags. Hashtag UN. Hashtag Taliban be nice. Hashtag Taliban, please let our people out. Hashtag Taliban, maybe we can leave a billion dollars on the tarmac like we did to Iran. Hashtags. Strong letter to follow. The president touted one of the biggest airlifts in history, noting more than 120,000 individuals were airlifted to safety. No nation has ever done anything like it in all of history. He called the mission an extraordinary success. This is... Wouldn't you hate to see a failure? Under this, guys, watch. Listen, this is like, when I was a kid, skateboards were big. they just come out. It was the early 70s, and I had this skateboard. My dad finally bought me a skateboard, and somebody stole it in our neighborhood. And so my dad put up a reward poster. I put up a reward poster. And we thought we knew which kid stole the skateboard. Kid comes to our house, knocks on the door, says, hey, here's Greg's skateboard. I need the reward money. Dude, you're the one who stole it. You don't get the reward money because you bring back something you stole. Or this is like the, the firefighter who's an arsonist. He lights the fire, and then he comes and puts it out and wants a medal. You're the one who started the fire, President Trump. Uh, sorry, President Biden. President Trump, Greg. I'm sorry. President Biden starts the fire, and he wants a reward for putting it out. And by the way, you didn't put it out. It's still burning. There are still people left behind. Biden said, we were ready about the quick collapse of, of Afghanistan to the Taliban. You, you were ready? Are, are you kidding? He's all excited that he ended 20 years of war, which is exactly what... Oh, this one burned me up. He said, quote, 13 heroes gave their lives. He's talking about the 13 that were killed by the suicide bomber. We owe them and their families a debt of gratitude we can never repay, but we should never, ever forget. It's your fault they're dead. It's your fault by the way we withdrew. It's your fault that you allowed to have the Taliban have the security checkpoints leading into the airport where this guy got through wearing a 40-pound suicide vest. You're telling me they didn't know he had it on? They didn't care. They wanted him to get through. They let him get through. Oh, and by the way, we were told by this leaked report to Politico that we knew something was up and we should have shut down the Abbey Gate, but we had to leave it open for the Brits to bring their people through. The Brits go, no, that's not true. We were telling our people to get out of there that afternoon because we knew something was up. We didn't ask him to keep that Abbey Gate open. I mean, you know, who, who are you going to believe? I mean, who, who, who are you going to believe? Biden said, this decision about Afghanistan is not just about Afghanistan. It's about ending an era of major military operations to remake other countries. 
Now that I agree with. We should not be remaking other countries. We should not be the world's policemen. But when you get out, this is not the way you do it, and you don't leave people behind, and you don't lose credibility worldwide, and you don't abandon your allies. This is awful. Awful. So where do you go from here? Well, we got the UN. We got some hashtags. I mean, <laughs> oh no, we got some ways to take care of business. And did you know Biden waived a congressional mandate to report on Afghanistan? Yeah. There was a mandate in June that would have forced the Pentagon to provide a detailed report to Congress about the risks of leaving Afghanistan. And under the federal statute, the administration was barred from reducing troops in Afghanistan below 2,000 without first briefing Congress about the expected impact on U.S. counterterrorism operations and the risk to American personnel. Biden waived the mandate in June. He argued that providing that information to Congress could undermine the national security interests of the United States. Um, that's why we have branches of government, so that one guy can't become the dictator. He can't just waive the statute. He did. He's not supposed to be able to waive that. So, you know, that's part of the reason that we ended up where we did. How's that for your national security? And did Biden have an impeachable phone call? Remember, they impeached Trump over a phone call where he essentially said, hey, you need to investigate what looks like some shenanigans going on here with, with our vice president at the time who's running for president this doesn't look good, and they made it seem like that was a horrible thing. Well, Biden pressured the then-Afghanistan president to change the perception of what was happening with the Taliban. This is a transcript of the J July 23rd call with Biden and former Afghan President Ghani. Listen, this is Biden. I need not tell you the perception around the world and in parts of Afghanistan, I believe, is that things are not going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban. And there is a need, whether it is true or not, there is a need to project a different picture. Yeah, see, what was going on right then was that the Taliban was taking over large parts of the country. By July, they'd taken over much of the country. It wasn't going well, so Biden wants a change of perception. The Taliban at the time of this call were controlling about half of Afghanistan's district centers. So Biden wanted Ghani to hold a press conference with prominent Afghan leaders to outline a new military strategy. Then there was Governor... Uh, excuse me, General Mark Milley, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, also on the call to Ghani. The perception in the United States, in Europe, in the media, sort of, you know, this thing is a narrative of the Taliban momentum and a narrative of Taliban victory. And we need to collectively demonstrate and try to turn that perception, that narrative around. So here we have the President of the United States and a general trying to get the President of, of Afghanistan to lie about how the Taliban is doing in his country. And in essence, also lie to the American people and lie to the world. But Trump had a phone call. Mm -hmm. That's just great. Uh, the Pentagon acknowledges, by the way, that Americans are stranded in Afghanistan. On MSNBC, Willie Geist was talking to uh, Kirby, the spokesperson for the Pentagon. All right. And he asked him, he asked him about how we're going to get people out. Uh, right now, I think the tools we have available to us that we're going to use as U.S. government is going to be more in the diplomatic economic lanes. We don't really see a military role right now. So no rescue. So a guy said, well, how is diplomacy going to get those Americans out of Taliban-controlled Afghanistan? Kirby. It's not completely unlike the way we do it elsewhere around the world. 
We have Americans to get stranded in countries all the time. We have Americans to get stranded in countries all the time. See, it's nothing new. And we do everything we can to facilitate safe passage. <laughs> hey, I'm stranded in Italy. This is a little different than I'm stranded in Afghanistan. Stranded in Italy because I lost my passport. Well, they let people stranded all the time. Come on. Jen Psaki would not answer directly when she was asked this by Reuters. Jen Psaki, Jen, can you clarify whether the United States has an agreement with the Taliban to allow more Americans and Afghans to leave the country? Her answer, I will say it's not just our expectation, but the expectation of 100 countries around the world. And, you know, we're expecting the Taliban to abide by what they committed to last Friday, which is the ability of people to leave Afghanistan should they choose to leave. Blah, 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 let me translate. No, we don't have any agreement. An agreement. And what is an agreement with the Taliban worth anyway? Um, the Afghan interpreter who helped rescue Biden in 2008 when the Black Hawk helicopter he and two other senators were in uh, was forced down because of bad snowstorm. Not, it wasn't really in Taliban-controlled territory, but it wasn't in very safe territory. This, this interpreter jumped in with all the Marines and the, and the soldiers, and they drove out there, and they surrounded the Black Hawk, and they got him out, and they took him back. Well, he's been left behind. And he's asked President Biden not to forget him. And Biden's response was, Muhammad who? That's the guy's name. Oh, no, he didn't say that, Greg. No, he didn't say anything. He just left him swinging in the, in the breeze. The New York Times says the number of green card Americans stranded in Afghanistan could be in the thousands, and the Washington Post is calling it a moral disaster. But, but Biden's out on a victory lap saying, you're welcome, America. The Taliban are also committing house-to-house -house executions in Kabul, according to a senior U.S. source telling Fox News. And President Biden did not deny a political report that U.S. officials in Kabul gave the Taliban a list of American citizens, green card holders, and Afghan allies in an effort to grant them entry to the airport. Uh, of course, military officials behind the scenes said, that's basically a kill list to these people. Well, they're going around door to door executing people. One interpreter, former high-ranking translator for a high-ranking U.S. Army ranger, told Fox News the Taliban had started executing allies of the U.S. in public and provinces away from the media attention of Kabul. Quote, they're not doing really bad stuff in Kabul right now because there's a lot of media focus on Kabul, but they already started public execution in other provinces where a lot of media is not available or covering it. Well, you know, if, if the Taliban execute in Afghanistan or an American away from a TV camera, did it really happen? I'm moving to your high school and your students. This is a Project Veritas story. Undercover reporting. They talked to Gabriel Guype, an AP government teacher in Intercom High School. Here are some of the quotes that they got from this guy. I have 180 days to turn the students into revolutionaries and scare the F out of them. I'm probably as far left as you can go. So the students take an ideolo uh, ideology quiz and I put the results on the classroom wall. Every year they get further and further left. And I'm like, these ideologies are considered extreme, right? Extreme times breed extreme ideologies, right? He goes on. I have an Antifa flag on my classroom wall and a student complained about that. He said it made him feel uncomfortable. Well, this Antifa flag is meant to make fascists feel uncomfortable. So if you feel uncomfortable, I don't really know what to tell you. Maybe you shouldn't be aligning with the values that this Antifa flag is antithetical to. You know what Antifa is for? 
fascism. They are the fascists. Have you seen what they're doing on our streets? They are Marxist. They are fascist. They are trying to destroy what America stands for. And this guy is saying that if you have a problem with the Antifa flag, you're the problem? This guy's teaching your high school students a government class. Man, this fires me up. He's, he goes on. Like, why aren't people just taking up arms? He's basically saying we should be in the streets. Like, why can't we, you know, take up arms against the state? We have historical examples of what's happening, them getting crushed, being martyrs for a cause, and it's like, okay, well, it's slow going because it takes a massive amount of organization. He wants this to happen. He goes on. Teacher. Gype. I think that for left-wing movements in the United States, we need to be able to attack both cultural and economic fronts, right? We need to create parallel structures of power because we cannot rely on the state. Consistently focusing on education and a change of cultural propaganda, we have to hit both fronts. We have to convince people that this is what we actually need. And finally, there are three other teachers in my department that I did my credential program with, and they're rad. They're great people. They're definitely on the same page. What is going on with our schools? And, and do you know that this is what's being taught? Are you paying attention to what they're teaching your kids right now in your kid's classroom? Because we better. Oh, Social Security, we got some news on that. The annual report from the Social Security Medicare trustees say, unless Congress takes action, Social Security will no longer be able to pay full benefits by 2034. 2034? Yes. And the equivalent date for Medicare's inpatient care trust fund is 2026. That's uh, five years from now? Four and a half? Yeah, listen, both of these are have trillions of liabilities and people think that there's some money sitting around. There is no Social Security trust fund. There is no Medicare trust fund. What happens is Social Security is pay as you go. So as we were paying in more than, than we were paying out, here's what we did. We spent the money. We issued treasury bonds from one department to another. And essentially we have IOUs in the trust fund. So the IOUs will start running out in 2034. We're already paying out more than we're taking in. It's a total Ponzi scheme that if you did in your private business, you'd be in prison for. But the government can do it and everything's okay and we keep acting like there's actually some pile of money in a trust fund. It's not there. And it's not there for Medicare either. Recessions sharply reduce revenue from payroll taxes, but the large number of deaths among older people reduce Social Security payouts. See, we just need more old people to die. Hey, Grandpa, start smoking. If more old people would die, it wouldn't be as hard. This is something that American people don't understand. Look, I'm not saying Social Security isn't going to pay out. We will. But the way we're going to pay it out is either by taking money from somewhere else that we've been spending it or by increasing taxes or by decreasing the amount that you get paid. There's only a few ways you can do this. There is no money sitting around in some trust fund somewhere. And they're lying to you about it. By the way, uh, it used to be about 13 workers to one retiree in the pay-in, pay-out. Now we're down to about three to one, soon to be two to one. Do the math. I can't. I was with that Antifa teacher. Okay, I know. They're not teaching you the right stuff. And how about this? The University of Wisconsin-Madison, they're having a welcome barbecue. Man, I love it when you go back to college and they have the welcome barbecue, except it's only for students of color. Well, I mean, you know... They all are welcome, but it's intended for self-identified people of color. The Welcome Barbecue Flyer says, It's for students of color intended to welcome back the students. Self-identified people of color. Hey, I'm beige. Beige is a color. I'll take the pulled pork, please, and the baked beans, and maybe some cornbread. Here's what really bothers me. The University Center for Cultural Enrichment 
says its mission includes embracing all races, ethnicities, sexual orientations, gender expressions, religions, classes, abilities, or any other aspects of identity we hold. And there's the problem. There's the problem. Because they're all about identifying yourself based on your skin color or your sexual identity or your gender. How about we identify, our, how about we identify ourselves as human beings? How about we identify ourselves as fellow American citizens? How about we just identify ourselves as fellow brothers and sisters that we're all made in the image of God and we should all just be respecting and honoring each other? The way you get people to love each other is to have them eat together, live together, study together, play together, not to have segregated barbecues. And finally, GM is going to temporarily cease the making of the Chevy Bolt. Why? Well, it keeps catching fire. I mean, it did it a couple times and we thought we had it, but now it's doing it again and we think it's the battery. So we're going to halt. It's already cost us nearly $2 billion, but we're going to halt it till at least 2022 until we figure out this battery thing. I mean, yeah, look, okay. My car may spontaneously combust. It might. And yeah, I plug it in at night and essentially charge it up from a coal-fired uh, coal power plant. But... I'm saving the planet, saving the planet, one burning car at a time. My name is Greg Knapp, and this is the Greg Knapp Experience. Mm -hmm.